You know, every time we're able to gather together to worship on a, the Lord's Day is a special day, but today is even a bit more special for this particular portion of the body of Christ as we've gathered uh, to formally set apart uh, one of our own, Clay Moore, to the uh, deacon ministry. And before Clay comes to share his testimony, he, come on, Clay. Uh, I would like to read from God's Word, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. The Apostle Paul had left Timothy in Ephesus to organize and to shepherd the infant church that he had planted. And as part of his instructions, uh, Paul explained to Timothy the qualifications for a man to serve as a deacon. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if nothing is found against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith to Christ Jesus. Over the past few weeks during our deacon nomination and in voting process, you as the local church body have recognized these characteristics and these qualities in Clay, and as a result, he stands before us today as a candidate for ordination. Uh, most of us in here have watched him grow up back from when he was a little bitty fellow uh, to the young man that he is today. And being the son of Mike and Tammy, uh, his life has been immersed in the knowledge of the gospel, first at home and then at the church. You know, to be called by the church as a deacon is not something to be puffed up about, as Paul might say. Uh, it's not a position of authority or governance, but very simply a servant. And the very Greek word in the scripture for deacon means one who serves. So since we are all called to be servants, uh, to become a deacon is to assume the obligation of what we might call a uh, super servant, someone who is committed to that as his life's calling. And the objects of his servanthood is you, the, the church body. So, Clay, if you would, come and share your testimony with us, please. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to start off by saying that I truly appreciate this honor to be up here, that y'all saw me fit to be a deacon for this church. And uh, I'm going to get started on my testimony. It was I started coming to this church at one year old with my family. I got saved in this church and baptized in this baptistry behind me. I like to joke I was baptized five times that day, being six years old and the water being a good six inches above my head, bouncing to Brother Jim. 
so he could hold me up so he could baptize me properly. <laughs> and then uh, I'd like to thank everybody who's supported me on my walk with Christ. I'm quite certain everyone in this sanctuary has impacted my walk with Christ, supporting me through Sunday school and Bible school and supporting me on youth trips and everything like that. And I'd like to thank my parents for giving me a strong foundation in Christ so I can be up here today. And I promise that since I'm going to be a deacon for this church now, I'm going to work to the best of my ability to uh, serve y'all and return the favors y'all have given to me. Thank you. As we consider the office of deacon today, and this is kind of the commission message, that's my duty in this whole uh, service, is to commission, to give that charge to Clay, but not only to Clay, but to all deacons, because every year I think deacons need a reminder uh, of what your duty is, what you're called to do. We need those occasional reminders. I need that as a pastor and you need it as deacons. So my message today is that it isn't just to Clay, but it's to all of our deacons. Now today, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 7. This is the, the establishment of the office of deacon. And here we see in this establishment, in this, uh, the first establishment, of the deacons what a deacon is called to do so Acts chapter 6 we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7 and that's on page if you don't have your Bible you can turn with me in the pew Bible there in the pew Bible it's page 859 page 859 in the pew Bible and as always, I like to say if you don't have a Bible please take that pew Bible it's our gift to you because we want everyone to have a of God's Word so please if you don't have a Bible please uh, take that Bible as a gift from the church to you. Now, Clay, today you are joining a very special brotherhood here at First Bastrop. Uh, the deaconate, the, uh, diaconate, is a group of men who work together for the common good of the church. And there's a lot of stuff that uh, goes into that. There's a lot of responsibility there. And so deacons have to be able to rely on one another, depend upon one another. Uh, there will be times as you, you work as a deacon, there will be times that you come to some things and say, I, I can't handle this one by myself. I need some brothers to come join me in this and help me uh, taking care of this issue, this problem. And so deacons have to be able to depend upon one another. It is a brotherhood within the brotherhood of the church so as you are joining this brotherhood you are also committing to a very important office within the church an office that is essential for the healthy function of the church your role as a deacon is important to the healthy life of the church 
If it weren't so, God would not have established it so early in the history of the church, the Christian church. So I say to you and to all of the deacons, do not take your role as a deacon lightly. Never take your role as a deacon lightly. We need you to serve and serve well. That being said, you need to know exactly what the role of a deacon is. So the question today for us as we we look at this text is what is the purpose of the deacon in the life of the church? What's the purpose of the deacon in the life of the church? What's your role as a deacon in the life of the church? And to find that answer, of course, we're going to Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. And in this text, we see that deacons are commissioned to serve. Deacons are commissioned to serve. And in here in this text, we further see three ways that deacons serve the church. As they're commissioned to serve, we see three ways in which deacons serve the church. So if you found your place there in God's word, please stand with me in reverence to God's word as we read our text this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the, of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom you will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word, and may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now, as we begin to look at this text this morning, the first thing that we need to see is that the office of, of deacon is primarily as Rodney said, an office of service. It is primarily an office of service. And to see that, we need to uh, define that term deacon. What does the term deacon mean? Well, as Rodney, again, he explained in his his part there this morning, uh, deacon, the the Greek word for for deacon means a, a servant, a servant. We see that here in our text. If you go down to 
verses 2 and 3, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. And it goes on and explains, uh, gives those qualities, some of the qualities of those men. So the, the problem here were there was some service that needed to take place. And so he said, the, the, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles said, pick out some men to serve tables. Serve tables, that word there for serve is the word diakon, diakoneo, diakoneo. And, and it, it literally means to attend to the wants and desires of others, to serve, to take care, serve tables in this this context to be a servant to be a, a waiter if you will to serve others later on in the new testament when this becomes an official office more and, and it becomes a more of a technical term within the church when they're talking about deacons like in first timothy which rodney quoted earlier there when he's talking about the office of deacon it's this same word only in its noun form Deacon, diakonos, means a, a, a one who serves tables. He's a waiter. And it also means servant of a master. He's a servant of a master. And ultimately, that's what a deacon is. He is a servant of his master. He is a servant of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Deacons are servants of the Lord. They're servants of the Lord. That's what you're commissioned to do, to serve the Lord. Now, all Christians are servants of the Lord, but here they're commissioned to a office of service. And they're not just serving the church, they're serving the Lord. They're serving the Lord first and foremost. They're a servant of God. A servant of their master. It's the same word, by the way, that Jesus uses in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Deacons, Jesus is your ultimate example. Jesus served. Though he deserved to be served himself, being God, he set aside his throne of glory to come and walk this earth and to serve you and to serve me. And the way he served us was by giving his very life, dying on the cross for our sins so that we might have life in him. So Clay, deacons, your job is to serve. You are commissioned by Christ to be a servant, to be a model servant even within the church, to serve even as Christ served you. Giving your life for the life and vitality of his church. You are called to serve. Deacons are servants of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the way deacons serve the Lord is, of 
course, by serving the Lord's church. Serving his church, his bride, his pride and joy. The first way deacons serve the Lord's church is deacons serve the church by caring for the needs of others. Deacons serve the church by caring for the needs of others. That's why this whole, the office was established in the first place, wasn't it? Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, that's the church. That's the the first church right there in Jerusalem. The disciples gathering together, assembling together. And as the, the church increased in numbers, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, the church in, in the, the first century there, especially in Jerusalem, that first assembly of believers, they had all things in common uh, that the book of Acts tells us. They, they kind of just sold off everything and put it all together, and, and they, they were coming together and they were taking care of one another and so you have the this group of christians thousands of christians who were were living kind of together not necessarily in a commune but but they were doing life together right they were they were learning more about christ this was a new thing they they were getting their theology worked out they were getting things figured out and so they were coming together and and they were studying the word together they were being the body of christ But there was a little problem there because in that early church you had different groups of people in there and so you had the Hellenists and the Hebrews now the Hellenists were Jews in Jerusalem they were Jews but these were were people who had had moved off at least for a time they had moved off into other parts of the world they had moved off to uh, places like up in Greece and, and different places to, to work and to make a living. And now they had come back. A lot of them came back for Pentecost, and they were there at, at Peter's sermon at Pentecost, and, and they, were, they, they came to faith under Peter's uh, sermon at Pentecost, and, and they're sticking around to, to learn more about Jesus. Some of them had moved off, and now they had moved back, right? So we see this. You have these Hellenist widows. Their husbands had moved them off to another region of the world. They had lived their life up there in that other region of the world. And, and now they, they come back. The husband has passed. And maybe they brought him back to Jerusalem to bury him. But they want to come back to their family and their friends that they remembered in their childhood. And they want to live and die in Jerusalem their, their home city, their hometown, right? And so now they're there, but they don't talk like everybody else, right? You, you take a, a, a woman, she moves away from Bastrop at, in her early 20s. She moves up off up to New York, and, and she, she begins to talk different, right? And, and she begins to have different ideas about things. She, she doesn't know about hunting and fishing anymore. She's kind of left that aside, right? And, and so then she moves back to Bastrop, after being gone for, I don't know, 50 years or so, she moves back to Bastrop because that's where she was raised as a kid, and that's where she has some, some cousins and some brothers and some sisters here, so she wants to move back, back home so she can be with family in her retirement. But, you know, she comes back to the church. She, 
she was here as a kid, but then she moved off, and, and so a lot of faces have changed. She doesn't talk quite the same. She doesn't have that good southern drawl, right, that we have down here. And, and so she talks a little different. People remember her as a kid, but, but, but she wasn't, you know, she didn't, she wasn't here as an adult, and so a lot of the kids don't recognize her, and so, and, and so they might get treated a little bit different, right? And that's what was taking place. It, it takes some time to kind of get brought back into the family and, and get your place there. And that's what was happening in Jerusalem. You had these Hellenists who were moving back home, but they talked different, right? They didn't have that Jerusalem draw like everybody else in town did. Right? They, 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 they had some different ideas about politics and that sort of thing. And, and so the, the Hebrews weren't, they were kind of like, well, I, I, know, I, I know this lady. She, 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 she kind of, you know, she taught me in Sunday school. She, she taught me in Bible school. But I don't know this lady. She's really nice and all that. But, and, and so in other words, the, 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 the uh, Hellenists, they were kind of getting neglected when it came to distrib- uh, distributing the, the daily food and that sort of thing because that's what they did that's what the church did the, the church took care of the widows they didn't have uh, husbands anymore their children were, were off somewhere else and, and so it was it came to the church to take care of them and make sure they had uh, food to live on but here were this these groups of ladies who were getting kind of neglected in this daily distribution right they weren't getting taken care of and so the church says, oh, well, we can't have that, right? Just because they talk a little different, that doesn't mean they need to be neglected. We need to take care of them. We need to make sure they're taken care of. And so they said, let's get some, some guys here, some godly men, to make sure that this, this thing is being taken care of. And that's what they did. They chose seven deacons to come and make sure that everybody in the church got taken care of and there was nobody who got neglected. And that's what deacons do. Still today, that's the office of the deacon. The deacon serves the church by serving others, by serving people in the church, widows, widowers, just uh, and everybody else, right? Just serving the church, taking care of the ordinary task of the church, right? The, the office of a deacon is not necessarily a teaching office, though we have people like Rodney who, who teach in Sunday school, but the office of deacon is not a teaching office, not necessarily a teaching office. It's not a governing office. It's not a, the office that, that runs the, the business of the church. Now, now, deacons, don't get me wrong, deacons are leaders within the church because of their, their character, right? You, you pick godly men full of the Spirit, and so their, their opinions are respected within the church. So, so yes, they are leaders within the church, but their primary duty is not to govern the church, not to run the church. That's not what they're called to do. They're called to serve. They're called to serve. They're called to take care of people within the church. It is an office of service. Serving the needs of others within the church. Now, First Bastrop has one of the best, I believe, I may be a little prejudiced, but I think we have some of the best deacons in the world right here. 
we have some of the best deacons in the world. Uh, our deacons have what we call the deacon family ministry. And so every deacon has, should have a families to, to minister to. So you, you have a, a number of families, and some deacons have a little more, and some deacons have a few less, and, and that sort of thing. But deacons typically have families that they minister to. And our deacons take care of their families. Our deacons take care of their families. They, they call them up. Uh, some of them call them up weekly. Some of them not quite, maybe not every, every week, but they call them up regularly. Hey, how's things going? How's things going? Are, are there any needs? Is there anything that you need? Is there any needs that, that are not being met? They call them up. They make sure that their families are being taken care of. They make sure that things are going well with their families. If their families aren't here, they're calling them up. Hey, I just, I didn't see you. How's things going? Is there a problem? Can we help you with that? Man, I've ha I have some deacons who, who've gone and changed some light bulbs from, from some ladies who, who didn't want to climb up on that ladder, right, and, and couldn't get up there to do it. And so deacon came and he changed that light bulb for them because that's what deacons do. Deacons serve. There's a need. The deacon is there to serve that need. So, I want to charge you, Clay, and all of our deacons, I charge you to serve the church by caring for the needs of others. That's your task. Serve the church by taking care of the needs of others. Serve others. Serve others. Put yourself second. Put others first. And serve others. So deacons serve the church by caring for the needs of others. And by caring for the needs of others, then deacons, second, serve the church by freeing the pastor for the ministry of the word and prayer. Deacons serve the church by freeing the pastor for the ministry of the word and prayer. Now, when we think about the church and all there, there's go, that's going on in the church, there, it, there is a complexity of duties within the church. There's a lot of stuff going on, right? A lot, of, a lot of wheels moving within the life of the church. And there are a number of duties there that, that, uh, that we see played out in the church. And we can categorize those into two different spheres. First of all, there are the sacred duties within the church. There are sacred duties within the church. So that's the, the duties of the ministry of the word and prayer as we see here in our text, right? There's those sacred duties. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to, to learn more about God, to grow in our Christ-likeness together. And the way that we learn to be like Christ is to study His Word, to learn more about His Word, to hear God's Word to us. And so we need that ministry of the Word constantly going on, constantly taking place week after week, week after week. We need the ministry of the Word taking place. That's a must. If we don't have the ministry of the Word going, if it's not the, the primary thing that we're doing, we're not a church. Let's close the doors. Let's just go out of here. We can join down at the country club because that's really all we would be. We would just be another social group. 
We don't need this big building, this big pretty building to do that. Right? We're called to be a people of the word. And so we have to have the preaching and teaching of God's word week after week. That's a must. And we have to talk to God, right? We've got to go to God in prayer. You've got to have some people praying for the church and praying for individuals and praying for the ministry of the church. Those two things are essential to the life of the church. If they're getting neglected, then the church suffers. And boy, how we, we can look around at, at other churches and we see where, where deacons aren't doing their thing, right? Deacons are not serving and the pastor's having to do all of that kind of stuff and, and it's taking away from his sacred duty of preaching the word and praying for his people and the church suffers. So there's the sacred duties, but then there's the ordinary duties, right? There's ordinary things that take place. Caring for others, making sure that everybody in the congregation, all the sheep are being fed, right? Taking care of, making sure all the sheep have, have what they need so that they can be here and, and grow in the Lord. There's the caring for others. There's, there's maintenance in the church. There's administrative duties that take place in, in the church. So there's all of these ordinary duties that, that need, somebody's got to take care of them. Now, for the pastor, the pastor's primary, uh, primary responsibility, of course, is those sacred duties. That's my primary task as your pastor, is to preach the word, teach the word, to minister to you in the word of God, and to pray for you. Now, that's more than just preaching, Right? That's more than just preaching and teaching on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and whatever. There's more to it than that. There's biblical counseling, counseling those who have, you know, going through a hard time. You need biblical counsel. You need to know what, what God's Word says about this. Well, I'm ministering the Word to you when you come to me for biblical counsel. When you're mourning, when you're in places of grief, I, grief, I, I come to you and, and, and I, I minister to you through the word and prayer. And so all of that is part of that pastoral duty. And there, there are those times where I, I have to take on some administrative responsibilities, right? Being in the office every day uh, of the week, there's administrative duties to take care of. Thankfully, I've got Mary and, and Keith to kind of take care of some of those daily things, but there, there are those administrative duties that, that come in with, with pastoring. But you see, I'm never to get sidetracked by all of those ordinary duties. My main focus, my primary focus, should be on the sacred duties. Now the deacon comes in as the second office in the church, right? Deacons come in as servants, to take care of those ordinary duties, to take that stress off of the pastor. Now, I'm thankful that when we have projects going around the church, it's not just me. I, I have deacons who come in and say, all right, how can I help with this? When we've got this property down here uh, beside us, down beside the Family Life Center, and it got, trying to get it all cleaned up, we had a deacon, Robert Sanders, who who kind of headed that up. I didn't have to worry about that a bit. And so oh, we, we have deacons who, who kind of take some of those responsibilities and, 
and keep some of that pressure off of me so that I can focus on the sacred duties of the church. Deacons are primarily ordained to take care of the ordinary duties of the church. So, Clay, I charge you as well as all of our deacons to serve the church by freeing me up and any other ministerial, ministerial staff by freeing us up so that we can focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. Serve the church. Serve the church. Serve her well by taking on these ordinary duties within the church. So deacons serve the church by caring for the needs of others and by freeing the pastor up for the, the ministry of the word and prayer. Third, third, deacons serve the church by creating an atmosphere for kingdom growth. Deacons serve the church by creating an atmosphere for kingdom growth. And we see this coming out in, in this last verse of our text. After they anoint these, these deacons or ordain these deacons and, and put them into service, these seven men, it is amazing to me this last line. What happens in the church when, when the apostles don't have to worry about uh, serving tables and they can focus on the ministry of the word and prayer? What happens? And the word of God continue to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith now those priests were the Jewish priests unbelievers but they became believers because the word was going out the word was being preached the word was being proclaimed you see those deacons those seven men they provide an, an atmosphere for church growth. By taking that pressure off of the, the, the pastors who were charged with preaching and teaching the word and prayer, by taking that pressure off of them, they, they created this atmosphere where the word was going out and the power of the Holy Spirit and God was increasing their numbers. That's what happens when deacons take their responsibilities to serve. Uh, they take them and they serve in that capacity. When they do the ordinary things, when they serve the church in that way, the gospel goes out. People see, man, there's something different about those people. Right? There's something different about that, the, that group of people, that church. There's something different about them. Man, they, they love one another. They, they care for one another. And, and they're, they're preaching a consistent message, this, this good news in Jesus. Man, I want to hear that. Whatever they got, I want it. I want it. Creates an atmosphere for people to not only hear but to receive the gospel and believe. When the church, when the members of the church 
are being cared for, people take notice. The Roman emperor Julian the Apostate, a name given to him because he tried to move the Roman Empire back towards paganism after Constantine had established Christianity as the, the state religion, he had this complaint about Christians of his day. Why do we not observe that it is the Christians' benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead and the pretended, and the pretended holiness of their lives that have done most to increase atheism, that is, unbelief in their pagan gods, to increase atheism, for it is a disgraceful, it is disgraceful that when no Jew ever has to beg and the impious Christians support not only their own poor, but ours as well, all men see that our people lack aid from us. Teach those of the Hellenistic faith to contribute to public service of this sort. Julian the Apostate noticed that one of the chief factors in the continued expansion of Christianity, even while he was trying so hard to stomp it out, was that was the church's service to others. The church's service to others start was started or it starts with the office of servant. It starts with deacons. Deacons, as you serve the church well, as you take your responsibility as a deacon seriously and you serve the church well, first of all, other people in the church begin to notice that. You're leading in servanthood. As you serve, other people get the fever, right? They, they see, oh, well, they're serving me. Well, now let me serve someone else. And, and before you know it, the whole body is just outdoing one another in service to one another. And as we as the body of believers are outdoing one another in service to one another, then, that, then it spreads outward. We're, we're taking care of one another. Now, let's go see who else we can take care of. Let's go see who else we can serve. That's what was taking place in the, the early church. They were going out. Well, we, all of our, our widows, all of our needy uh, people, they're taken care of. Well, well let's, go, let's go find somebody else to take care of. Let's go find someone else to serve. And people were seeing that. And people were saying, I want what they've got. Deacons, when you serve well, your servanthood spreads to others. And outsiders begin to see that. They begin to take note of that. And they say, I want, I, I want to know what they've got. And people begin to open up to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel, good news of a Lord who came to serve and whose people serve. So Clay and all of my deacons, I charge you before God to serve the church 
by serving others, by serving your pastor, and thus by creating an atmosphere where the gospel can be proclaimed and people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ and come to faith in him. Create an atmosphere for kingdom expansion. By your service, create an atmosphere for kingdom expansion. Serve the church. Serve your master. Serve your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by serving his bride, the church. Now today's message is primarily towards deacons. And so deacons, today as I make this charge to you, and Clay, as I make this charge to you, first of all, Clay, pray. As we enter into a time of invitation, my charge to you right now, my call to you would be to pray to God that he would empower you with his Holy Spirit to serve his church and serve her well. Commit yourself today to serve the Lord by serving his church. To all of my deacons, let today be a day of recommittal. Maybe you hear this message and you say, well, you know, I, I've kind of been slacking off. I've not been calling my families like I need to be calling them. I, I've not been serving in the way I, I need to be served. I, I, can, I could do better. Then let this time of invitation be a time where you recommit your service to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, maybe I've I, I failed in this. I've been lax in this. Lord, forgive me. Now help me to serve you better by serving your church better. Or maybe you've just fallen off the wagon altogether. Lord, just I need to get on track here. Let this time be a time of committing yourself to serving the Lord. But maybe you've been doing it well, right? You, you've been calling your folks. You're one of those who call, you call them every week. And you're checking in on them. And I'd say today, just pray the Lord. Lord, give me strength to carry on. I'm recommitting today, and I'm going to serve you, continue to serve you by serving your church. But Lord, just give me the strength. Because it's hard at times. Lord, give me the strength to serve you and serve your church well. For others, certainly there may be those who are here or even who are listening in online, you, you don't know about all of this stuff. You've never, you've never trusted in Jesus. Well, I want to give you a chance today to know Christ because that's the main thing. That's what we're here for. We're here today because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He came to serve by giving his life as a ransom for many. He died on Calvary's cross for you and for me. And he was raised again, showing us that he paid for every sin that we ever have or ever will commit. And he holds out his hand and says, if you believe in me, if you trust in me, I will save you. If you've never trusted in Jesus, in this time of invitation, my, my, I beg you, <laughs> turn to Christ. Surrender to him today. 
he will save you. Don't leave with doubt in your mind. Trust in Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you for the deacon ministry of your church here at First Bastrop, this portion of the body. Lord, I thank you for the service that uh, such a, a, a wonderful group of men render to your church and to me, Lord. I am so thankful for the ministry that they do to me. So thankful that I'm free to, to, to focus in on your word and to focus in on prayer and the, the, the duties that you've called me to because of such uh, devoted men. Thank you, Lord, for that. And Lord, I know it is a difficult office. It's hard. It's got its, 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 its hardships. So Lord, I pray for each and every deacon, Lord, that you would strengthen them and their resolve, strengthen them in their service to you. Lord, I pray for Clay. Lord, as he begins this, enters into this office lord i pray that your your strength would be upon him and lord give him the strength and resolve to serve you and serve you well and lord as always i just pray if there's any who do not know jesus though this was not an evangelistic sermon lord i pray that even still Lord, that they may see Jesus today, that their hearts might be strangely awakened to know him and trust him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.